Hi, I'm Sally Prosser. Welcome to That Voice Podcast. Great to have you here. Take a breath and settle in. Practical tips and inspirational stories are coming your way to help you speak with more confidence, to grow your business, advance your career and be done with public speaking freakouts. As a former TV journalist and company spokesperson, qualified speech and drama teacher, spiritual life coach and TikToker, I know firsthand the power of using your voice with confidence. Let's go. Hello, welcome back to That Voice Podcast. A big welcome if you're here for the first time. Do I have an episode for you? I am so excited to have you here. This episode is so informative, it's so interesting, and you will not be the same person after you listen to this. It's all about unlocking the power of your vagus nerve. And if you've never heard of the vagus nerve, no worries, because my wonderful guest, Jessica Maguire, explains it all. So Jess is a physiotherapist, and she has a wealth of clinical knowledge and experience. And I love that she shares so many practical resources through her social media and her online workshops, jessicamaguire.com, if you can't wait to look her up. I first met Jess because she did my Speak From Your Soul course last year. If you are sick of feeling sick about speaking and you want to feel the joy of tapping into your true voice and using it as a channel to share your truth, then I would love to invite you inside the course. We get started on May 8th, 2022. So if you're listening to this before then, then click on the link in the show notes, read more about it and listen to your intuition. If you're feeling called to make a change, maybe you want to fix or fortify your relationship with your voice, then let's do it. Come and join us. The link is in the show notes. In today's episode with Jessica Maguire, you'll learn what the vagus nerve is, how it affects your voice and speaking, and practical exercises, things you can do to engage this powerful nerve. We also talk about the benefits of a good cry. (laughs) Let's dive in. Jessica Maguire, welcome to That Voice Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. Great to have you here. First question is, how did you get in to studying the vagus nerve? Yes, well, it's a little bit of a long twisted tale, but I started working with a as a physiotherapist about 13 years ago. But before that, I had done my first degree, which was looking a lot at the heart and the beats of the heart. So I was always studying the vagus nerve, but didn't quite know back then. Um, what I know obviously now and I ended up working with a lot of people with chronic health conditions so chronic pain but when they were stressed they would also have say migraines insomnia gut issues but their emotional health wasn't so great either so I knew there was this reflection of when pain got worse there was stress and I was fascinated about really understanding that and Modern pain science at the time was showing us how we can't separate the brain and the body. So we might think, oh, I've got a sore elbow. But what will actually change the level of pain that we feel is how we speak to ourselves about it, our thoughts about it, and even factors like what's going on around outside of us can affect our nervous system. So I always was fascinated about understanding that whole big picture rather than just looking at things through a biomedical lens. And so I went on to study 
after I'd been working with patients for many years, more looking at the brain, neuroplasticity, neuroscience, and trying to really get that connection of what exactly was this mind-body connection from a science point of view. And as the research went more and more, the vagus nerve really reflected to be that epicenter of the mind-body connection. And the science behind it is fascinating in how we might behave, the way that it shows up in the way that we speak or, or the thoughts that we have. But also from my point of view, it was mostly looking at the way that it affected people's health, um, like their gut, like their immune system, um, because it's so big that it has a lot of different functions. Wow, the epicenter of the mind-body connection. I love that. I've always referred to the vagus nerve as like the Las Vegas nerve because it's the one that parties all over the body. It's like... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> a, way, a way to remember it. So for people who are new to this wonderful nerve, what is it? Yeah, sure. So it's not just one nerve. We really can look at it as a series of connections of several nerves. It's on both sides of our body. And it starts out in the brainstem, which is if you ran the hand down the back of your head, you'd feel there was a bony ridge. So sort of in that area, if we went in, that's the lower center, which would be our brainstem connecting into our spinal cord. Um, but also it comes down from there and it connects to our heart. So we have what's called our vagal break that slows our physiology down a little bit. We have a branch that comes down into our gut. So it's very closely linked to, you know, our, our gut will mirror what's happening with our psychological health. And then we have another branch that makes up our social engagement system. So this runs from the heart and it comes up and innovates the muscles to do with speech and communication. It comes up to the middle ear muscles and it even innovates or ties in with the cranial nerves, which influence the muscles of expression on our face. So when somebody's vagus nerve is working or active, engaged, we can hear it in their voice. We can see it on their face. And even in those gestures of, you know, how they'll express themselves is certainly tying in with that. It, even how we listen is connected to it. Wow, it is so fascinating. I guess it's why it ties into us having a gut feeling about things. Absolutely, absolutely. Because most of its, its fibers run from the body up to the brain. So 80% of that, of its, of its communication is telling our brain about what's happening in the gut and things like that. And we think so much like the brain is like this commander or in charge and sits up the top. But what we're seeing now in the science is that what's happening in the body is a mirror of the brain and vice versa. So we really can't separate things. Yeah, and I'm really interested to hear more about how you can hear in the voice in someone speaking whether or not the vagus nerve is activated. Yeah, okay. So we could look at the different states of the nervous system a little bit like traffic lights. And we could say in the green state, that's when our vagus nerve is working or engaged. Now, when we're in this state, we're really primed for communication. 
So what will happen is the vagus nerve will be connecting to those muscles to do with speech and communication. And so somebody's voice will actually have a lot of prosody. So we might think that from listening to, I don't know, yoga trainings and things that somebody's calm when they have a soft, whispery voice like this. But the actual thing that indicates that somebody is in a regulated state of their nervous system is the, is the prosody and that pitch, so the change in rhythm. And if you think about this, parents do it intuitively, right, with babies or people do it with their pets and they start talking in this sing-songy voice and they really want to get that connection with a baby or another, another or an animal. So we do this anyway and that prosody is, can be regulating. And how would you describe the word prosody? It would be the variation really in rhythm and pitch. So if it had that up and down factor to it. So when we know that somebody might be stressed or they move into, say, that yellow state of their nervous system in the traffic light, but the middle, so the orange, we might hear an angry voice like this where it's more monotone. Or we might hear, which I'm sure we can all relate to if we've ever spoke publicly, having that high-pitched voice where we might take a few a breath every few words. So we lose the prosody of the ups and the downs. And if we go into what we call the red state, which is a immobilization response when we're really scared or some people freeze, we may find that we can't communicate at all just from the inhibition of the vagus nerve. Yeah. And would you say that's a lot to do with the freedom and flow of the breath? Uh, with w- the work I do, when people's pitch goes up really, really high, it's kind of like we're tubes of toothpaste and it's like the tension gets squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and the voice sort of pops out the top. Uh, but we're able to get that melody, that intonation a lot more freely if we've got the breath flowing behind. So would you say that that breathing and the vagus nerve are very closely related? Absolutely, Sally. Yep. So we can see it when somebody somebody's breath will mirror the state of their nervous system, which can just be if I get scared or if I'm relaxed. So that's immediate that that happens. But also, yes, as as we can say, I love that analogy that you use with the toothpaste where it just feels like we <laughs> so um, if we can get some control over the breath which is normally an involuntary process then we can help to certainly have that effect on our voice um, and bring it back to have more prosody for sure nice so what are some breathing exercises that people could do to help bring that vagus nerve would you say how would you describe it to activate the nerve is that what yes you'd say? we can say activate we can say engage A good place to start is really looking at matching the inhalation exhalation and studies have shown that if we want to optimize what we might call heart rate variability, which is just a fancy measurement, which looks at getting the beats of the heart to reflect the vagus nerve working, we'd look for around about 5.5 breaths per minute if we could do say a breath in for even beginning with four seconds five seconds and then out for four seconds five seconds say if we're looking at people who were going to speak doing this beforehand can be really useful but 
Um, a tool that I think is really good as well is if you are in that time where you are speaking and you're live, it's actually trying to say more words before you take a breath in because it almost mimics like a um, deep breath out, which is yes, where we know. Speaking on the out breath. This is what I always talk yes. about. Think on the in breath, <laughs> speak on the out breath. Yeah, you're so right. Yes. So sometimes we focus on trying to get air in, especially if we get a bit air hungry. So trying to just keep the phrases a little bit longer and then take the breath in because the breath in will come. It's going to follow the the words out. So that's a really useful one too. Yeah, that's such a great point to raise because a lot of people will say to me, Sal, I feel like I've lost my breath, like I've got no air. And often, as you're pointing out, it's it's not the air not coming in, it's the air not going out. So the air will come in, but then the breath will be just restricted and people will talk while holding their breath. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So it's about having that, that wheel rolling. I've also heard that a good way to activate the vagus nerve is to exhale for longer than you inhale. Is that something you've heard? Yes. So we can add the longer exhalations for sure. And exactly what we were just explaining, where we take longer to speak before we breathe in, is actually mimicking that as well, that mechanism. But it comes down to the vagal break. So we, when we look at that branch, which I said runs from the brainstem to the heart, if you could imagine like you're riding a bike downhill and you just keep a little bit of the braking gauge with your hand, that's what our vagal brake does for us at rest. So it's always dampening the effect on our heart a little bit. Now, if I get excited, like when I talk about this topic and I get really <laughs> enthusiastic, I just can relax that brake a little bit, which lets in that mobilizing energy for enthusiasm, vitality, when we're passionate or when, when we want to focus on something. And then afterwards, it would re-engage and we'd slow our physiology back down. So when we extend our exhalation, when that vagal break is off because we might be a bit anxious and we feel that physiology going so fast and we might feel ourselves talking really fast and constricted, we actually engage that vagal break with the longer exhalation. And what we know is that for some people who experience a lot of anxiety, it can actually show that maybe the vagal break isn't working quite as well as it could. And so if we practice it each day, our nervous systems are plastic, which means we have the ability to change how they're functioning and, and we can certainly improve that. Just like we might go to the gym, we can learn to improve our nervous system so it becomes more flexible and adaptable under challenges. Oh, it's like... If you do voice exercises every single day, then the warm will be so much easier before you speak. So, so fascinating and so important for speaking because when we do go to hit live on the webinar or to step on stage or they're going around the room and, every, and it's your turn to unmute in the meeting. Yes. The anxiety can really peak, can't it? So that's the time when you're saying we need to put that vagal break on yes absolutely. i love that i love that analogy with the handbrake yes and it's like it's all right under control i guess it's also uh embracing it and being okay with 
our body doing that because I guess we wouldn't want to be in so much of a relaxed, lethargic state before we have to perform. So Absolutely. We should thank our body for saying, yep, thank, thanks for being there. Got you. Let's just put the handbrake on. Yeah. I mean, that, that energy, that mobilizing energy that we feel come into our system when we might be nervous or when we might be um, excited or, you know, even to a degree when we feel that anxiety, you know, stress isn't bad for us. All it is, is it's our mind-body system mobilizing energy for us to cope with a challenge. The thing is when we don't get the chance to recover from it, that it can affect us. But if it's speaking and we feel anxious and we feel nervous or waves of mobilizing energy, it's actually a healthy thing because, you know, what would it sound like to listen to somebody who was down here, mm. their body was flat, you know, you'd, you'd get, you wouldn't be that motivated to, to listen to that person. So it's, it is our system trying to help us to prepare for us. And I think you gave me a really great piece of advice in one uh, thing you were teaching on, which was really about just letting those waves of nervousness come in. And it was like, you spoke about the butterflies and things like that. And that's a training and a skill to build our capacity to feel those sensations, but still, you know, not move off into fight or flight, not, not become so, you know, resistant. Yeah. That we move out of the present moment. Yeah. We don't need to get rid of the butterflies. We just need to get them flying in formation. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I love that you use the word recover because one of my clients mentioned this to me last week. I might do a whole episode on this. And it was, Sal, my speech went really, really well, but I'm feeling today really flat, really down. It's like I've crashed after the high. <laughs> so are there any tips you can give for that recovery phase for people? Because it's an important piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. So when we have that mobilizing energy that comes into our system and we lose a little bit of that vagal break, inhibiting or slowing our system down, what we want to make sure that happens is that that mobilizing energy is also discharged. Mm. So then our vagal break can come back in. So it's a bit like, say, a you set a temperature of a house of, say, 20 degrees. But, you know, there's times where where it cranks right up and the aircon needs to work really hard. But then, you know, there might be a cold day where the aircon goes off or a heater comes in, but we hover around that same temperature. Well, this is how it is with many of our systems, but especially the nervous system. So what it can be is that we can look at, okay, so if I've got all that energy in my system and I need to go and discharge that. So that might mean that we go for a fast walk. Or for me, the best thing that I've found is just hanging out with those people who are quite regulated themselves and, and having that back and forth in conversation. You don't really even need to talk about things that were, have been stressful for you. It's more that if they're in a regulated state and I hear the prosody in their voice, if they attune to how I am, if I see the smile and we have a connection, my nervous system will mirror theirs and I will shift back to a calmer state. So 
we have a we very much have this feedback loop with other people where our nervous system mirrors those people around us. Mm. I think that's what I love about being with Patrick so much because he's just so he's such a calming influence. I find that I, like, I'm <laughs> often like this and this and this and like running around the house, and he's just really centering. And you're right; it's not it's not what you're talking about. It's just being in that presence of the energy of somebody who can bring that down. Oh, and I guess the lesson is as well as if uh, in your relationships you're finding people are having the opposite effect, then maybe that's a sign to not spend so much time with them if you can. I think we need to know our limits. Like we can support other people, but you know, there there will be a a toll on being around somebody who is, you know, of course we want to care and give support, but to recognize that we can't do that all the time. We can you know, give as much of ourselves as we can. But if we start to feel ourselves shift into feeling really anxious or overwhelmed, it might be best for us to come out of that space for a little while. Yeah, I really love that analogy with the air con because it's when do we need to put the handbrake on? When do we need to discharge? When do we need to to lift? It's so interesting. So apart from the breathing and the fast walk you mentioned, is there anything else people can do to help engage or activate their vagus nerve? The main thing I would say is having people who, like I said, are that co-regulator for us, especially in times when it's difficult. I mean, we hear so much around how it's codependent to rely on other people, but that doesn't really marry up with science or how we are wired biologically. Um, We are so designed for connection and to have that, especially in times when things are hard. Um, We can also just look quite easily or we can start to use becoming aware of our posture. So this doesn't mean stand up straight or anything like that. But let's say we move into a fight or flight response, we might find that we brace. So I could straight away. And that means tension in my shoulders, restriction around my rib cage, my diaphragm. Tension in the throat and the jaw and the tongue. That's why it affects speaking so much. Yeah. And the belly. You know, we draw our belly in. Well, a lot of us are taught to stand like that anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, and it's so funny because the gut being relaxed is like such a, is, is really where a lot of that connection of the vagus nerve is going. So letting the belly just soften, but it can also be if we feel ourselves go down into that state of shutdown or helplessness, we may just sort of slump straight away. Like, oh, there's no use trying. It's helpless. I feel hopeless about this situation because our vagus nerve will change depending on our posture. And that's to do with a fancy word called baroreceptors, which are inside blood vessels. So they will either turn up or turn down the vagus. Music is one of the most powerful portals because the muscles of the middle ear, um, when we hear mid-frequency sounds that that's related to that social engagement system I was talking about. So music that attunes with how we're feeling and in that middle frequency range, not where there's a lot of bass or lots of rock, but more so where, you know, the words and the music move us. That's a big one. Maybe avoid the death metal. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe. Unless, unless you really want to go to the gym and, you know, uh, put on some ACDC or something like that that, that, that lifts you back up again. Um, but no, coming into that, that state where the, the, it's a little bit more in the middle frequency is helpful. Mm. And speaking of music, humming is also known to be quite effective for the nerves. So it's also great for the breathing. So an exercise that I often talk about is just a deep breath in and then. Mm. Yes, you can certainly use humming as well. And it's got the aspect of the breathing out as well. The power of it is knowing what attunes to you when. What we said about the music, for example, I mean, one day I might feel like listening to London Grammar because that attunes with me feeling really down and really flat. But the next day I might be feeling so annoyed about something and putting on that rock music and getting out and moving is that best thing that attunes to where I'm at. So it's a little bit like, say you're talking to somebody and you tell them something's really hard for you and you're so sad about it. And then they sort of say, oh, you'll be right. Just get on with it. You know, it's that misattunement. So what we would, what's better, because so many people say, what's the one best tool? It's like, well, there isn't one. It's what is attuning to you on that day or what state you're in. Um, And it will be different for all people and it'll be different for ourselves at different points as well. So lots of tools is good. I feel like you've totally given me permission to listen to my sad country breakup playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Who's on there? I want to (laughs) know. Oh, a lot of the Nashville soundtrack. (laughs) It sounds fun. (laughs) I love like just lying in the bath with a glass of wine or a cup of tea because I have cut back on drinking a lot and just playing the sad music and just having a good cry. I really enjoy crying. (laughs) Yes, and sometimes it just lets it out, doesn't it? Which is, you know, we always see it as, oh, there's something so wrong. But crying can actually be a sign of discharging that stress from the nervous system. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah, tears are nature's great cleanser. Absolutely. Oh, Jess, I feel like I have learned so much in this episode. So (laughs) fascinating. Was there anything else you wanted to add? I would probably just say to what's helpful is for people is to sort of recognize the different ways that they do respond and when. So say, for example, with facing challenges like speaking or putting ourselves out there, do we tend to maybe respond where we push ourselves and end up with a lot of anxiety or panic because maybe it's a little bit too much for us or do we tend to maybe shut down pull away withdraw and maybe not quite step forward enough and I think that's where if we can build this awareness what we call autonomic awareness where we look at it not as there's something wrong with us but that these are responses of the nervous system that we all have at different points. But the more knowledge we have about our own responses, the more power we have to work with them. And sometimes it just takes a little tool, a little attunement, and then we're right to go again. Mm. Yeah, I'm reading a book at the moment by Dr. Julie Smith, who's like a big TikTok psychologist. And the book is called Why Has No One Told Me This Before? And she was saying that this was the thing coming up so often. People would come in and think, oh, there's something wrong with me. And I'm sure you've seen the same thing as well. There's something wrong with me. I'm not right. And, you know, it's just me when really once you learn some of these 
the science behind it and some skills, people would say, why has no one told me this before? Why didn't we learn this in school? And this is a lot of feedback that I get as well with what I teach. And you're right. Once we get that information, it can be so empowering to be like, right, I know what's going on and I know what I can do in this situation. Absolutely. Because I don't think that you ever get to a state where you're not going to be nervous when there's, you know, something new or that you might not get, you know, you won't get disappointed that that's a part of being human. And it's like you said, you've got the tools to attune to the sadness and and move that through. But it's that it's not about trying to get rid of those things because we won't. That's, that's what it means to be human, but to know that we don't have to let those stories or those states stop us from doing the things that we want to do. Mm, Absolutely. And that's the big philosophy behind everything I do, including speak from your soul, which is the course that's starting again soon. I know that you did it last time. It was amazing to be part of. I really loved what I said before about the part where you spoke a lot on how it's, it's good not to try and get rid of those sensations before you speak. I was doing a lot of Vegas nerve workshops then and they were getting bigger and bigger. So it was pushing me to my edge of the comfort zone. And as soon as I got that, like letting what's there just flow. And it also allowed more spontaneity and joy to flow with that experience. Ah, but the key takeaway, I know what it was now was, and I love this and I think it's so good. was you said to assume the best from your audience That is, I think, such a great piece of advice because we often leave from speaking events thinking that, oh, but I did that one thing, that 1%, or it might even be a half a percent thing that wasn't perfect. And we assume people might not like it. And that even comes down to the brain having a negativity bias, which means it looks for danger and threat. But it's a wonderful course and I highly recommend it. Oh, thank you so much. And if people are keen to find out more about your workshops and the Vegas Nerve, how can they find you? Sure. So we run a two-hour live masterclass, um, and that's all on my website, jessicamaguire.com. We're just in the middle of our six-week program, but we'll run another round in July. Wonderful. jessicamaguire.com, and I will put the links to all of those in the show notes. Thanks, Sal. Jess, thank you so much for chatting to That Voice podcast. If I wasn't looking at you, I would have been madly taking notes. So I feel like I will be taking notes on all of this while I'm editing this episode. So thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Thanks for listening to That Voice podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with your people on social media and tag me at Sally Prosser Voice. And for episode details straight to your inbox, leave your email at www.thatvoicepodcast.com.